right. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mets Legends cast. I am Rob Pearsall, starring as Rob Pearsall. <laughs> and this is Michael Jennings, starring, of course, as Jeremy Burnett's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. Mike J, always the one and only Mike J. What's going on, my dude? Um, you know, just as as of the time of recording, the Mets are playing the Braves in game one of their Monday doubleheader. Down two nothing here in the bottom of the sixth. So, you know, just uh just hanging in there. I think I think this series could go a long way if the Mets can have a good showing toward really making it a two horse race between them and the Phillies in the national league East Um, kind of feeling like it's heading that way, just with all the things that have happened with the Braves um, over the course of the season, really. And, you know, lately with the Acuna injury, like how do you recover from that? You know, that's a big blow. I mean, Acuna is not only their best player, but he is one of the best players in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was a really tough, Thing to see i'm sure you saw the the injury as well yeah and, um it was tough i mean and it didn't look like it wasn't like a, a a protruding bone fracture it wasn't something that looked really bad but you could just tell from his reaction mm-hmm. that it was bad i mean he was he was very very upset he was crying on the field he was he was angry and i think he knew you know like he probably felt that pop. oh you feel it um, yeah yeah, and he knew. You know, I mean, he knew that he was going to be out for the rest of the year, um, or at least a very a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Braves, I mean, obviously it's a frustrating game. As we're recording right now, it's the bottom of the six, and the Mets are down two nothing in game one of the doubleheader. And um, I feel like the Braves are always a very frustrating team to play. Um, you know, the Mets also. I mean, the Braves had a left hander on the hill today in game one and the Mets are have been awful against lefties this season so far um Guillermo Heredia turns into you know Roger Maris when he plays the Mets um or some big bopper you know he turns into you know he's a next level I think yeah Yeah. the guy I think was batting like over 350 against the Mets so far this season um kind of spurning the team that uh or, or, I don't know if that's the right word, spurning or inspiring the team that that really released him in the, the offseason. But, um, yeah, the Braves, I mean, you know, they're, they're missing Acuna. They're missing Mike Soroka, who might realistically never pitch again in baseball. Um, he His injuries, I think he ruptured his Achilles twice. Mm. Uh, it's going to be really tough for him to come back from that. Um, you know, Darno, Travis Darno should be coming back soon. But, you know, Marcelo Zuna, has you know he was injured but then he also had that you know disgusting domestic abuse thing kind of around that same time so Mm -hmm. he might not ever play again in the majors as well um also just want to add here you know we don't have to get too deep into it but really happy the Mets didn't sign Trevor Bauer was happy Mm, kind of in the beginning but even more so now um I mean after everything that's happened and you know, now the Dodgers don't even want him back on the team too. And I'd be very surprised if he pitches again, at least he's probably not going to pitch again this year, but no, maybe, yeah. maybe not anytime soon either. I mean, um, yeah, the, the allegations against him are truly disgusting and yeah. make me want to vomit. Um, yes. But even, even before those allegations, it was, 
I was very much of the mind of, you know, especially in the off season that I, I was initially kind of rooting for the Mets to sign Bauer, but mm-hmm. as time went on and the more I kind of like dug into who he was, all I really knew about him was that he was like a pretty mercurial guy, very vocal on, uh, on social media and uh, generally a talented guy as well. Um, you know, obviously you have to be talented to win the Cy Young. Um, but the two things that kind of stuck out in my mind were his stance on foreign substances um, and then the incident where he absolutely hucked the ball uh, over mm. the center field fence. I was like, this guy's kind of deranged. Um, yeah. And that plus, you know, a lot of his off-field stuff really turned me off to Trevor Bauer toward the end mm-hmm. to the point where when it came down to the Mets and Dodgers, I was like, you know what? The Mets don't need this in their clubhouse. Yep. And that's the big thing, too, where it's like you think about this team who's been so resilient and has really had to deal with a lot of adversity this year um, on the field, off the field. And they just have been tightening it through it all. You know, mm-hmm. as Marcus Stroman has said, you know, we never feel, you know, scared or anxious or pressure. We never feel like we're out of these games because they believe in themselves. And um, I just think you throw, you throw Bauer in there and just, that's just such a negative kind of presence to have in your locker room. And yeah. especially if all this happened too, mm-hmm. A, you know, like it just makes you feel disgusting as a fan. You know, and just like, and then this, yeah. you know, having, you know, to, to root for someone or having rooted for someone who um, was, did such disgusting stuff. Um, it really would have just like, it would have been such a, a negative thing for the Mets this year. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just thinking about baseball or the Mets, you know? Yeah, and, no, I, I hear you. Um, but, you know, glad that they didn't sign him. Um, it could have been a lot of it. It could have been a different story altogether. It could have really, you know, you know, mastered the chemistry of this team, but. Um, and, and I'm glad that, you know, it, although the response was pretty slow uh, to getting, uh, you know, Bauer out of his, the, his scheduled start and everything, getting him onto administrative leave. I think it was, I think ultimately the Dodgers, have done an adequate job of, you know, really not (laughs) going to bat for him at all. Um, No, I don't, they really haven't. And nor should they. Yeah. uh, As an organization, you know, Um, the guy was always, like you said, the guy was always kind of like a shady character. Yeah. Very, um, very uh, outspoken, um, you know, kind of a bad way, like in a negative way. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like before all this came out, and this is just like this is just like a completely different thing now. It's like not a, not as he just like a jerk, but he's like an evil person and like a violent yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I remember, yeah, like back when that was a thing, uh, it was it was it was very much just like you know, like he's he's good, but mm-hmm. do we really, you know, rooting for this guy is going to be tough. And then yeah. you almost like feel like you're, you, you know, you'll, you'll swallow that because, you know, you'll deal with him being kind of a jerk, um, you know, but then this is just like, you can't, there's no, you can't justify it in any way. No. Um, and uh, you know, the, like you said, the Dodgers have kind of just like, they don't, they don't speak of him. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of just like exiled from that team pretty much. And uh, I'm glad that, that I don't know how you come back either. Like, like you said, yeah. like, how do you, how do you re-enter into that clubhouse with that, with that team who really, you know, are, are in a place where they could, you know, because of the talent that they have on their team too, you know, they could say kick rocks, dude, like never want to see you again. Um, and I really, you know, I don't think he really deserves um, really any more attention. Um, I'm glad the Mets didn't sign him. I'm glad he's out of baseball and I hope he stays out of baseball. But, Agreed. hundred percent. Trevor Bauer, um, kindly not so kindly actually yeah fuck no. yourself um so in the meanest way possible in the meanest way possible um have a very pleasant die <laughs> um yeah. but you know Let's... Trevor Bauer is unimportant um you know he can kick rocks the Mets don't have to worry about that thankfully um and the Mets we are a few days away from the trade deadline now mm-hmm. and the Mets are going to add some big names um, who are hopefully much better people than Trevor Bauer, <laughs> but it'll, it'll be an exciting few days um, over the weekend. Since we saw you guys last, the Mets did acquire Dick Mountain, yes. AKA rich, rich Hill from the Tampa Bay Rays for Mets legend, Tommy Hunter, who Tommy, we thank you for your service as a Mets legend. You did everything that was asked of you. Uh, your and then some. Trot, and then some, you started, when you know you didn't need to start, you were a joy to watch post game, and watching you round the bases, you know, after getting your first hit, scoring a run on the subsequent home run was incredible. Um, and if you pitch for the Rays this year, good luck. But that was a good trade. Rich Hill went out and he pitched five good innings on Sunday uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he came out of the game with the bases loaded. Um, the The bullpen allowed the inherited runs to score, but it was obviously a tough place. But even still, you know, you sign up for that. That's I'll mm-hmm. take that. You know, in his first game as a Mad, five innings, three runs. The Mets came back and won. Um, great series, per I think personally. Um, oh yeah, against the Blue Jays. Um, and yeah, going going out and taking two out of three from from a team like the Blue Jays, I think. Um, Although they're not, you know, uh, necessarily an American League powerhouse in terms of like best teams in the league, uh, you know, they're they're hanging around there in the AL East, and they certainly have the kind of talent to go out and win any series that they play. Yep. So, you know, to go out and take two out of three from a talented team like that just goes to show how just the approach of this team is like, you know, they got they got blown out in that second game and then they came back, you know, the next day and just took care of business. Um, and that's, that's what they've been doing in these series. That's been, you know, really, really been the key factor to keeping the Mets in first place for as long as they have been. I saw a stat on, on the old Twitter machine recently about how many series the Mets have won, uh, in their last 20 or so. And they've won, you know, 13 of those series or something like that. Yeah, um, which is and you said they split they split three more of them too, right? So mm-hmm. they split like three more two game series. Yeah, uh, they split more well, four game series. Um, yeah, which is really good. Um, I mean, and especially when you consider all the injuries that they've had and 
you know, kind of like against all odds, it seems that this team kind of strings it together and pulls it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sit down at, for every Mets game and it's like, there's like, there's like a meter and like, it starts off in the middle and like this side, like the left side is the Mets are bad. Mm-hmm. And then the right side is the Mets are good. Like it goes like this all game. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just like back and just forth, back and forth, like a metronome. Yeah. <laughs> like I really can't figure it out. Like some days I'm just like the Mets are so bad, and there's no reason why they should be in first place. Right. And this, this has all been a fluke, and I've been bamboozled, <laughs> and I can't believe I fell for this again. And then there's other nights where I'm like, holy crap, the Mets are the best team in baseball we're winning the world series. This team is magic. Wilmer Flores is going to get acquired by the team. He's going to hit the walk-off home run in game seven of the world series. And we're all going to go freaking nuts. Um, yep. But that's it's the, very that's confusing. The, that is the <laughs> ideal. I think, I don't think we could ever reach a higher peak as Mets legends. Uh, if that were to come to fruition, <laughs> that'd be so amazing. If the giants were doing a little worse, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't discount the Mets trying to get Wilmer Flores, but since they're somehow that team confuses me, confuses the hell out of me. I don't understand how they're as good as they are with the Donovan is, Solano. Like, is, well, it, it's it's a kind of a similar story to the Mets, actually. It's been all behind their starting pitching, and you know, just a few guys doing their freaking jobs. Like when Evan Longoria has been healthy, he's been getting it done. Uh, Buster mm-hmm. Posey. Yep. I don't know and if there Mikey is a comeback Stremsky. player of the year. Yeah. I don't know if there is a comeback player of the year uh, in baseball, but it should go to Trey Mancini and Buster Posey. <laughs> there is definitely a comeback player of the year. Um, I think there's actually two separate ones. Like the Sporting News, I think, does one. And then there's like the normal one, mm-hmm. like the, the MLB one. But yeah, I mean, Trey Mancini 100% is going to win. He'll, he'll probably win the Tony Canigliaro Award too, mm-hmm. which yeah. is like, you know, for you listening at home, if you don't know, that's like the award where like a person, like a player comes back after like a serious injury or off-field problem or like they come back kind of against all odds mm-hmm. and they, they, they just play really well or they come back at all. Rich Hill actually won the award. I think five or six years ago. Yeah, um, he, he he's had some pretty crazy injury stuff too, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean a lot of arm issues, a lot of lot of arm injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the guy, the guy, he's 41. Mm-hmm. So he got he graduated high school when we were like two or three, you know. It's <laughs> so like he's been playing baseball, you know, longer than than we've been like human beings that could make decisions. Um yeah. So, and then like, you know, he debuted in 05. The guys had like three careers, you know, like he was playing mm-hmm. an indie ball. You know, we want to talk about duck watch. Like he was a yeah. Long Island duck, you know, um, and he came back and he played. Um, and it, he's a guy that like is very easy to root for. And like, he's a, you know, he's a veteran. Um, he's been around the block. He's a great clubhouse guy. Trevor May was raving about him. That was a, that was a very yeah. 2015 esque move, in my opinion. Like that was a very yeah, just a solid veteran who can do yeah. the dang job. Yeah, and they didn't give up a lot for him. I mean, you know, you're always going to have those people on Mets Twitter that complain about every move because apparently they knew who Matt Dyer was, the catcher that the Mets gave up. You know, they're so educated. You know, I and I'm pretty savvy with the Mets minors, and like yeah. I only know Matt Dyer because he got, I think he got drafted last year in like that six round 
BS draft. Uh-huh. Um, but the guy is not a, he's outside the top 30 prospects in like a middle of the pack, you know, to to to, to lower end Mets farm system. Yeah. You know, and people are like the Rays are gonna change him into Mike Zanino and this and that. As, it's as like, if Mike Zanino is like a superstar. He's good. Yeah, he's but fine. like he's also hitting under 200. <laughs> like if they don't if he turned into Mike Zunino, yeah. homers. Like, if he, if they turn him into Mike Zunino, good. I mean, we have this guy yeah. in Francisco Alvarez anyway. So right, like right. Matt Dyer, you know, and even if Alvarez doesn't pan out, which he might not, you never know. Mm-hmm. But Matt Dyer was never going to be the dude. He was like the last catcher, maybe not the last, but one of the last catchers yeah. kind of on the depth chart of prospects. Um, yeah. but good move, good move. I, I like the Rich Rich Hill move. Um and I think he can you know, bring – I think someone like Rich Hill, obviously he brings a lot of experience, but I think he's got a little something to offer to probably some of the younger guys on the staff, like someone like Tyler McGill or, you know, some of the, even some of the younger guys in the pen, like I'm sure they can, you know, benefit from his experience and, uh, and you know, just his mindset. He's a, he's a crafty lefty who yep. is very much – you know, in order to be effective, he has to be an artist of pitching. And he very much is like, that's who he is. And I love, love, love those kinds of players. Um, I've, I've always loved pitchers who could paint it and, you know, mess with hitters timing and things like that. So yeah, um, I'm excited. He's a- I'm excited that he's making the, uh, the debut of the black jerseys as well. Next Friday, that's he's, is his next scheduled start, which I absolutely love. And he's a guy who was like actually playing when the Mets last wore their black jerseys too. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so he it may, it's it's appropriate for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rich Hill, he's a guy too. If Syndergaard comes back, you know, it's a big if. But you know, Syndergaard probably is not going to be stretched out fully for the playoffs because he's only going to have a month or so time if he comes back on September first. Mm-hmm. But they could if the Mets make the playoffs they could do like a like piggyback Rich Hill after Syndergaard. You know, they could yeah. have like – or vice versa. You could have Hill and then Syndergaard. But I think it probably makes sense for like Syndergaard, Hill, and then you get into like your flamethrowers in the bullpen. Um, yeah. But they could totally do that, especially if they go out and they acquire another arm and they get Cookie Carrasco back. Um, I really want to see him pitch. Me too, man. I've really liked him with Cleveland. I think he's, he's again, he's exactly the kind of pitcher that I love to watch. Doesn't necessarily have like, you know, electric stuff, but he has good stuff paired with, you know, good command and pitching prowess. Um, And he's, he's another veteran. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table uh, once he gets back. And from what I, from what I've seen on Twitter is he's making one more rehab start, right? Um, they, I think uh, Rojas was saying that he might even just like forego that altogether and join the Mets the next time around. Oh, okay. But I guess we'll see what happens. Um, you, you never know. I mean, they could announce tomorrow that he's going to go on another rehab start. You know, yeah. really no, who knows? Um, I mean, not that they like, not that they don't have to rush him back because like at this point, like we need all the pitching we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, they, you know, they don't want to. You don't want to risk getting the guy hurt even more so right um, you know oh, the hamstring anything. like i feel like yeah. that's the kind of thing that can be easily aggravated if not 100%. retorn so yeah you know what's funny is that this is the first 
first time in a long time that I could think of where the Mets don't really have like a rotation full, full of like flamethrowers, like DeGrom. Yeah. And then like DeGrom's like the only really, I mean, I'm not counting Cinder here because he hasn't pitched all year and he, you know, who knows what you get out of him um, mm-hmm. when he comes back. But like after DeGrom, it's like Taiwan Walker can ramp it up to like 97, but he kind of sits between like 93 and 95 most of the time. Stroman obviously is never going to throw that hard due to his height, you know, mm-hmm. like, which is fine. You know, I mean, but he just, he'll never generate, you know, he'll never throw a hundred, but, you know, he's crafty too. You know, mm-hmm. Walker's a guy who, you know, another guy doesn't strike out a ton of batters, but makes it work. Rich Hill, you know, Cookie Carrasco, you know, so it's like they have an interesting rotation and, and a lot of guys with a lot of character. And, um, you know, you have kind of a nice mix of like established veterans. Um, when Tyler McGill too, I'm kind of I kind of forgot about him. Um, he's not. I wouldn't say he's like a, a flamethrower. He throws a little bit harder. Um, he's ratcheted but, it up up to 97. I've seen uh, yeah. you know once or twice. But yeah, you're right. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty similar to Taiwan Walker in that it's you know sits at 93 to 95 range. Yeah, and I mean they they might you know who knows I mean who knows what they who they acquire at the deadline which we can get into in a second, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of character of guys like when they're all healthy of like the kind of like eclectic mix of, of guys they have that might benefit them. Uh, you know, they if they embark in the postseason, um, if they if they indulge in the postseason, if you will. <laughs> um, but, but um, yeah, I mean, it should be an interesting next couple of days. Um, with that being said, you know, you talked a little bit about it on Twitter, but mm-hmm. who, what is what is your, I want your, your, so I'll ask you three things. Okay. I'll say, what is your, um, what is like your dream target that's within the realm of like real, like being realistic, like yeah. not Otani or Mike Trout. No, but for like, sure. Yeah. Some, a name that's one, out there. Yeah. Yeah. A name that maybe the Mets have been connected to that could be realistic, but like your dream, like, and then like a realistic, like target. You know, mm-hmm. or like maybe like a guy that's not like a super sexy name, but like a guy that like um actually you know what this is too complicated. I want to just hear what you think yeah. they're gonna do with the deadline. <laughs> I don't know what I was getting at, but what's your dream? What's your dream deadline and what do you sure. think is like actually gonna happen? Yeah, so my I think I think my dream deadline and the the reality aren't too far apart. Like I think I think all three of these moves could be made. Um, and it is, is, you know, it's the same moves that I mentioned on our last, uh, you know, podcast where we talked about, uh, trade deadline stuff last week, where I really think the Mets could go out and get a package deal of Trevor story and John gray from the Rockies. Um, unfortunately the Rockies are super dumb as we've already established. As well. <laughs> uh, they might just be insane enough to not trade, uh, Trevor story. So then if that's the case, I think they should still go after John Gray and then shift their focus to the Cubs uh, and getting Craig Kimbrell uh, in addition to, you know, and this is the caveat of not getting Trevor Story, uh, getting either, I hate to say it, but Javi Baez or Chris Mm. Bryant. Mm -hmm. I don't like Javi Baez all that much. I think Nor do I. Like Where I don't, do I? I'm not a big hobby <laughs> bias guy. I'm really not. I don't like yeah. him. Yeah. I don't know like... what it is. I'm not a fan. I'm just I not, a, I don't think exciting. he's a game changer. Yeah. 
He, I mean, he can be. That's the thing. Like, if he gets hot, he, he can, can be. be. But he's sure. too much. Like, I don't know. I think, I think he's more similar. Like, if we had, if if there was a a meter from, you know, I'll say Dansby Swanson to Francisco Lindor, what we've already got. I think he's closer to Dansby Swanson, like yeah. a solid fielding of really well, a really good fielding shortstop. I'll give Javi Baez credit. He's a, he's an excellent fielder. Um, yeah. But at the dish, he's just a, he's just an all or nothing kind of guy. And as, <laughs> as I'm saying this, Dansby Swanson just made a really nice play uh, to end the game <laughs> on a double play. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think what you get out of Javi Baez is similar to what the Braves have gotten and will continue to get out of uh, Dancy Swanson. And listen, I mean, if they get Javi Baez and they get, if they, if they're able to get Kimbrel and Baez in the same trade though, like, even yeah. though I'm not a huge Javi Baez guy, that's still a really good, that's an trade. excellent, that's trade. a yeah. very, very good trade. Like Kimbrel alone would be a huge, huge addition and if you get someone like Javi Baez too, on top of that, I mean, that might that that that's an amazing trade, amazing midseason trade to kind of to kind of kill two birds with one stone, get you know a guy that you know is gonna you know fit into this lineup, can play shortstop until Lindor gets back, then maybe you shift him over to second, you know, or third, depending on which way you want to go. Um, yeah, and you get Kimbrel too, which is like with D like. You know, Edwin Diaz, like, you know, I know Mets fans hate him and I feel the same way too sometimes where yeah. like, I just like, I get very frustrated by Edwin Diaz and I, but you know, there's a part of me that also like feels really bad for Edwin Diaz too. Cause it's like, he'll never get the credit he deserves no matter how good he is because he's attached to the Jared Kelnick trade. Mm-hmm. Like he'll just, their fans will always hate him for that reason alone, you know, like he'll never live up to like the expectations that were like unfairly put on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and listen, like, I don't think it was a good trade either. Like there's no reason why in the year 2019 yeah. or 2018, you would, you would literally give up the farm for a closing picture. Um, you know, that just, well, don't forget it doesn't make sense. Cano. <laughs> I would I would like to forget Robinson. I would like to forget Robinson Cano. Um, I think we all would. I, I would I would love to just like eternal sunshine of a spotless mind Robinson Cano from my memory. Um, uh, um, there's a little Jim Carrey deep cut for you guys, but yeah, that's good uh, stuff. you know, yeah, great movie. Um, but you know, and anyway, I got on a little bit of a spiel there, but uh, Diaz I is agree a guy with you, that. Though. I, yeah. I like Diaz. Diaz has been a good, I would I would even say above average closer this year. He's blown what yeah. three or four saves. Um, I think he's only blown four. He's blown four three saves. of them came yeah, three in a row. Yeah, and three yeah. of them came in a row, which yeah. is you know, and that's why people hate him again. Where it's like, yeah, before that, like people were kind of starting to warm up to him, and then that happened, and then you start seeing the Kelnick stuff again. Yeah, and but, I, you know, I think Kelnick's going to be good, but he's not. He's not been good this year. He's batting he's not under one hundred. He's not ready. He'll yeah. be great, but he's batting under one hundred this year so far. Not that that matters. I'm not trying to justify the trade. But no, no, no. Just a little no. interesting thing. But I think um, I think Edwin Diaz as a as a relief pitcher as a closer right now. I think he's still far more effective. It's not like, and I think 
what happens a lot, especially with, you know, Mets fans. I think, I think Mets and Yankees fans are so like inextricably linked just because of the two teams being who they are and where they are. Like, I just feel like with Araldis Chapman doing as poorly as he's been doing, coupled with Edwin Diaz blowing three saves in a row, I think in a New York sports fan's mind, that starts to bolt, like, you know, kind of get the wheels turning of like, oh, these are the same guy. But like, yeah. they're really not. Like, they're at completely different moments in their career. Mm-hmm. Araldis Chapman has kind of been there, done that in every situation you could possibly put a closing pitcher in. Yeah. Um, and Edwin Diaz is still only what, like 26. Like, yeah. He's literally so young. He he's, he's like, yeah, I think he's 26 or 27. And he, um, and I'm pretty sure he still has like minor league options. Like he, yeah, he's, he's the kind of guy that, you know, when you look at contract value for what Edwin Diaz had proved in Seattle, which was that he was a hard throwing fastball slider closer, um, you know, the the Mets got a ton of team control on him. Um, and I think they're going to get probably the best years of Edwin Diaz. Someone like him usually doesn't have a whole lot of longevity. Raldis Chapman is actually kind of the the exception to that rule, just throwing yeah. absolute gas for like a decade. Um yeah. and I I think there's still so much more to this Edwin Diaz arc than Mets fans will ever see until after the fact like well i also think that yeah well i think what's going to end up happening is they're going to trade him um and it'll probably be it'll probably be sooner rather than later um like i could see them trading Mm. like i mean it's it's not probable but it is possible that you trade edwin diaz at the deadline i don't think that's going to happen there's nothing that i'm hearing there's nothing that's been out there that's saying diaz that would be be traded It'd be a shocker. It could happen. I wouldn't put it past Sandy. I look at, I look at, you know, you look at when they got AJ Ramos, you know, so they traded for a guy that has this control, mm-hmm. but it like he, Sandy's a guy that, that kind of makes these unconventional moves sometimes. Yeah. They could move Diaz. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, you know, especially because he's, he is valuable to the bullpen, but he'll probably get moved in the off season. I'd imagine. And he'll probably go somewhere like, you know, Arizona or maybe just like a smaller market where yeah. he can, he can not, he won't have so much pressure on him, like an unfair pressure on him really too. Like he'll go somewhere, maybe even St. Louis. I could see him pitching for the Cardinals with Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos. Huh. And, that would be a scary and Jordan Hicks. Yeah. Like that would, but like I could see him playing for the Cardinals. Like I could see that like happening and, and, and having him um, and having him be really good. Um, but anyway, you know, if the Mets do get Kimbrel, like, you know, they really should do a closer by committee. You know, you could have him close, Lugo close, Diaz close, whatever. Like, yep. that's probably, I think, what the best option is for the Mets down the stretch. Um, so you're saying for your ideal deadline, Kimbrel and Baez or Trevor Story and John Gray. Yeah. That's like your ideal. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I think that. So, I mean, I think that what they're going to end up doing is I think that they're going to probably do something like that, where they're going to try to get a couple guys in one fell swoop, you know, whether it is with the Rockies or the Twins. You've heard them talking about the Twins with Berrios and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson, perhaps. Um, but they could, I mean, the, the, the Twins do have a few guys that 
that could be available that the Mets could get all at once, you know, mm-hmm. Byron Buxton just turned down an offer from the Minnesota twins for an extension. I would be very shocked if the Mets ended up getting him. Um, but you could get a Donaldson um, along with maybe like a, um, I, I always, I always forget if it's Tyler Rogers or Taylor Rogers, um, but they're yeah. reliever Rogers and and maybe even like a like a Berrios like all in one deal um I think you know. maybe I think maybe that's what they're shooting for like the twins the twins have the kind of talent that could fill almost every need that the Mets have um mm-hmm. so, so that would be like an interesting thing that I'm sure that Zach Scott and Sandy Alderson have already explored uh or if or are currently exploring but at the same time I think you know and when you mentioned Rodgers, it actually made me think of the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. They still, even though they just traded uh, Adam Frazier, you know, they still have some talented pitchers and they still have some talented bats that uh, that really any team would like to have, I'm sure. Um, it's and tower. they're probably going to trade some too. Like that, that organization is kind of just like a pit of despair. Like they're kind of just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like they're, they're, they're just – they're not well run and like Mm -mm. their farm system is kind of garbage still. And like, they're probably not going to compete. Yeah. They they used to have, I used to think of the pirates as sort of, you know, always had a solid farm system, always had, you know, exciting prospects coming up and they do have like some good young guys right now. Like Brian Hayes, I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. Um, Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Does he have a lot of team control left? Is that why he wouldn't really necessarily be moved at this point? Yeah. I think they also kind of view him as a guy that they, that they could build around. Like he might be, he's kind of like their guy. I feel like Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I always kind of like kind of thought of like Adam Frazier and him in that same vein, but well, I mean, Reynolds really Hayes is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. like their cornerstone piece. Like he's, he's going to be their future. But mm-hmm. I, you're right. I mean, the Pirates have always had a really good farm, especially pitchers. Like, look at right. the pitchers that they that they that they um, that they had. I mean, you had Garrett Cole, you had Tyler Glass. Now, mm-hmm. you had Jamison Tyone. You had uh, trying to think who else. Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyone, Tyler Glass. Now, feel like I'm uh, missing a big one. Yeah. Uh, regardless, I mean. Yeah. They they've kind of pumped out pitchers like like the Cleveland Guardians have. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> a little little uh, we forgot to mention that, but the the Cleveland baseball team will now be known as the Cleveland Guardians. I like um, it. I, I like it. I'm fine with it. And I think I'm fine with it. I think one thing that has gone over a lot of people's heads, even like Cleveland baseball fans, is the the statues that they're named after the Guardians of Transportation are like super cool. Like, uh, I, I worked in Cleveland for a summer, uh, growing up in, in Ohio, you know, just, just, that's just how we do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I worked in Cleveland for a summer and I would go back to Toledo on the weekends. So I was driving back and forth all the time. And I remember, you know, the first few times driving in thinking like, man, there's a lot of like really cool architecture (laughs) and cool stuff like in Cleveland, particularly these statues. Like I, I was pretty blown away by the statues and so when i saw like the logo and like the promo video with tom hanks legend and like 
I, I I got excited and I'm not, I'm not a Cleveland fan at all, but like, I was like, you know what? They go, they went in a completely different direction. They took a bold, a more bold, like move to move forward rather than like backward. Cause I know a lot of people wanted like the Cleveland spiders uh, to come back, which would have been cool. But like, I feel like they just have to put the past behind them. And I think the yeah. guardians is a good way to go. It'll be one of those things where it's like it. I think a lot of people don't love it right now, but like yeah. they'll get used to it. It's kind of like everyone like the Expos became the Washington Nationals, and I was like, "That's a silly name." Like mm-hmm. I was like, it seemed weird, but then like now it's just like it's such like a, it's such like a, like a, yeah, it's very natural. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll be the same thing for the Guardians. Um, I'm glad that they finally just like decided to. I'm glad that they finally like decided to change it. They have a plan. They they know what they're going to change it to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, before we wrap, I'll probably up, buy some merch. Yeah, I, I like buy, that logo. One. So do I. Yeah, so do I. And it's like now I could finally rock something <laughs> of their franchise that's not like racially insensitive. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> um. But yeah, I'd say my 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 what I think is going to happen is. I think the Mets are going to get a big name or two, um, but I think they're really going to surprise us. I think that they're going to get somebody that's not even really on the radar right now. I think they're going to make yeah, a big move that that's yeah. kind of going to shock us. It's not going to be like, you know, it's kind of going to be like on, in the off season where like we got Lindor and like, mm-hmm. it was kind of just like out of left field. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's going to happen again at the deadline. Um, and even kind of like in 2015 with like Cespedes where it's like, you know, he, we weren't, the Mets weren't linked to him for like a very long time, you know? And mm-hmm. like, he was a name that popped up because of his, like, he was becoming a free agent, but like the Mets weren't linked in until like the 11th hour, really. So like literally like the 11th hour and 59th minute. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to, I think it's going to come down to that again. I think that like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of like moves, like right, like right at the, down to the wire. Yeah. And I think the Mets, the Mets are going to be right there, but you know, last week we, you know, my bold prediction was that they were going to make a trade within 48 hours. Obviously I could say that now, but that wouldn't be a really bold prediction because we are, you know, we're four days away now. So like there probably inevitably will be yeah. like, but I think that, I think that they're going to make like one trade before deadline day. And then they're going to make like two, two more trades on deadline day. I think they have like, you know, I think that they're, you know, I think one of those trades is going to be really big and the others will just be like, you know, Rich Hill type trades. Yeah. But I think that there will be that really big trade that happens on deadline day. Um, kind of like what happened in 2015, you know, where you got Uribe and Johnson, then Clippard, then you got, you know, your then big guy Cespedes, in Cespedes. Yeah. Right. So I think that's going to happen again. Um, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a trade, you know, maybe tomorrow. Um, but definitely i think they have a few trades in them and i think that one of them is going to be really huge so that's kind of my prediction i wonder if with carrasco being at the point that he's at i wonder if the mets are thinking you know what let's just roll them out there and you know maybe they shift their focus to more toward bullpen and uh and and like hitting like a bat rather than yeah rather than being so focused on some of the starters that are available. Um, although uh, the latest rumor that I heard was, Ma- was Max Scherzer. I think it's going to take mm-hmm. too much to entice the nationals to give up Scherzer to the Mets. Like, I think the, 
the divisional aspect of that kind of puts that out of reach with what I would be comfortable with as a fan, you know? I think the Nationals, I think that he's going to go somewhere out west. I think that, like, yeah, I think the Padres could even swipe him up. Like, the, like I would not be surprised at all if the Padres, like, I mean, that rotation would be filthy. For the Dodgers. I could see the Dodgers doing it. Yeah, especially with Bauer, with Bauer gone now. Like, they could totally yeah. just, like, add. And also, like, sure, I could see Scherzer in a Dodgers uniform. Like, I, I picture it now, and you're just like, yeah, this makes, well, that makes sense. sense. Like, he's yeah. – but <laughs> Match that I mean, blue eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zach Scott was saying today, though, he was saying that, like, he would make a trade with an in-division opponent, but he thinks that there would be, like, a price to pay considering that they'd be in the same division. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously the Nationals would ask for – they would ask for a lot for him, you know? They would ask for, you know, probably I mean, he's Ron Mauricio. Yeah, he's, he a, he's, he's a franchise cornerstone at this point, and he's definitely played himself into that position, deservedly so. I mean, I only think of him as a national now. Like, like you know, well, he, obviously I have to think he of has him some... as a tiger. He came up with the mud hens, you know. You know how it yes, is. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. But – and he had some great years with Detroit too, you know. He like, did. like right, right before he got that mega contract with the nationals, he mm-hmm. had established himself as an ace with the tigers. But it is crazy to think about that. He's only been with the nationals since 2015 because it just feels like he's been with them forever. It feels like he's, he's been with way them longer like, than that. Yeah, it just seems like like he I like I, I hear shares or I think nationals. Um, mm. But I mean, the, I think it was like Bavada or something like that gave the Mets like like two to one or three to one or three to two odds to land him. That's crazy. And also brought and also Chris Bryant too, you know. But yeah. I think that I think that it, they probably will like get like one big package because you know if you're getting Bryant, you know, and Scherzer in separate deals like. You know, then you have to deal with two teams. They're both going to be asking a lot of prospects. Yeah. You might be giving up more than you would if you just got like a story and a gray or like, you know, like Donaldson, Rogers, Burrios, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. so. But it should be interesting. I'm really excited. Um, we'll be back with you guys again, um, you know, for Friday. Um, so not, uh, not again until, not again. We won't see you guys. We won't, we'll have an episode before the deadline, <laughs> but we won't, it won't be done by then. So right. this time next week, we'll be catching up <laughs> on the deadline, but we'll have this video. We'll have the next podcast after this one ready for deadline day. There that was a lot more difficult than I wanted to sound. You nailed it. No, you nailed it. <laughs> but hopefully by the time that we, that we record again, we'll have another trade to talk about. And then we have some fun stuff to talk about on the next episode. Um, I'm really looking Black forward jerseys. to it. Coming back. The black jerseys, um, some Omar Minaya goodness. And oh, yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. So we hope to see you guys there. Thanks for tuning in as always. And we'll see you on the flip side.